And now. Capital 263. Welcome to Politics and Beyond on Capital 263. My name is Christopher Farai Charamba. And I am Tawanda Henry Beatty. And yeah, welcome to the best political podcast in the country. Undisputed. The number one. The greatest. We're the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> we have to be. We have to be. Uh, so yeah, this week um, we're going to be talking about the state of the podcast. It's been a while since Henry and I have been on the show TD2. Yeah, just the two of us. Um, so yeah, we're just going to catch up with everyone and with ourselves, I suppose. And uh, state of the podcast, state of politics, state of the economy, and yeah, just generally the state of the state. The state of this, actually, <laughs> yeah, I think it's... It's it's necessary to take stock of what's going on because sometimes you can get caught up in in life, in things that are happening, in events, and politics is a very fast-paced industry or activity, I suppose. So what happens today... It's only an industry if you're in Zanu, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but basically what happens today can be very irrelevant tomorrow or can have lasting effects for the next... Um, how, how much longer until elections? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's before, on or before the 31st of July, 2018 is the date that everyone is now gearing up to. And uh, I think that's uh, basically the same with us. The podcast is gearing up to that day and uh, maybe even we have, we have a live show <laughs> on, on the, the actual day of elections. elections. <laughs> you know, it's quite, it's quite sad, to be quite honest, that we are living the next... 16 to 18 months for elections. As in that's the one thing everyone in, in this country or a significant proportion of the people in this country are thinking about is 2018 elections. Yeah. We're not even thinking about what are we going to do to grow the economy in 2017? Um, what, you know how many babies are being born this year and what's the mortality rate and mm. all those things. No. The, the primary question seems to be, come 2018, what's going to happen? Who is running? Will there be a coalition? Um, you know, how will they fare in the rural areas? All these things. It's focusing on something. And this has been something that people have been talking about for since about 2015. Yeah, it's, um, it's basically probably, and I've, I think it's probably the first... Um, as an adult, the first election season I've been in, and it's quite tiring already. I'm already tired. And it's it's funny to be a, a political <laughs> podcast and say I'm tired of elections, but... Um, and we yeah, haven't even started. We haven't even started the actual run-up. I think um, the real tiring issue is the uncertainty, um, the speculation, um, the lack of clarity from, you know, everywhere. Like, let's actually get into it. Like, factions everywhere. Um, you know, parties can't stay together, things like that. Like, you know, you can't really begin to provide an assessment or ideas of what are going to happen or predictions without any sense of, of, of clarity or, or certainty as to which, where do people stand. And, and that's actually the issue, is that because there's so much uncertainty, it's taking away from policy matters, it's taking away from governing of the day. So when you look at ZANU-PF, the state of ZANU-PF, um, 
and not state in the sense of it being a, a nation. So sometimes <laughs> they, they, they like to believe that ZANU PF is Zimbabwe and Zimbabwe is ZANU PF. So the state of ZANU PF right now is it's divided between one center of power, G40, and Lacoste. We can't even deny that there are factions within ZANU PF. Yeah. It's, it's an open secret. They like to, you know, hide and say one center of power, we are loyal to one center of power, yes, but that is rhetoric they use to protect themselves. So you have this Lacoste G40 situation, which then causes a lot of problems in the public. So for example, I spoke about this in the last, um, in one of the previous podcasts, is that you have government officials, ministers, um, people in the president's office going at each other on public platforms when they sit together in cabinet or every, yeah. every you know, cabinet sits every Tuesday, they sit together Stay in cabinet. cabinet and when they go to Politburo meetings, they sit together, but straight after that, they're coming they, onto Twitter, they're into going the into the media. And going at each other and in, in not very nice terms. <laughs> and this is, this is the problem, is that these things, we I understand there's no perfect organization. You're definitely going to have differences of opinion, differences of um, intelligence, difference, a whole bunch of differences. But you don't bring these issues out into the public because you people will lose confidence in you and your ability to govern, especially when you have a mandate to govern. Right now, there's so many people who just have, just worry because you can't, there's no consistency yeah. from the government. Because today you are one center of power, or we are together, we are smiling, but tomorrow I'm coming out and I'm calling you all sorts of names. names and, and then people are meant to, to, to think that you have our best interests at heart. But I mean, ultimately it's, uh, and I think it's both, this is not just a Zanopiev problem, it's a failure of leadership. Um, the leaders are not leading at the moment because somewhere along the line and I mean for Zanu it was 36 years ago but I don't know where with the opposition somewhere along the line it became more about power or 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 ruling and not leading and I mean power money everything that's entailed and these sound like cliches but don't show each other people are more interested in 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 how how certain decisions affect their position in the party um, on the scale or in favor of, 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 of the president or the principal, how you can appease the principal, then how those decisions will actually, you know, affect the people. And for uh, a government that likes to say that it's elected, you no know, democratically or otherwise, it's, it's disappointing. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's going to be a long, long, tough road because... At the end of the day, we're going to have to all decide who's going to have ascendancy in which camp, which faction, Lacoste or G40 is going to have ascendancy before 2018 uh, and what's going to happen after that. Because one of the things that we're faced with is that even if they do galvanize uh, for 2018 and support, uh, you know, Sekruwa Simbanashu or support the president in his run for, for election and he somehow wins that election, um, whether through opposition disorganization or however he wins, even genuinely, if he wins genuinely, we still have to deal with the fact that we're going to have a 94-year-old president who has been elected for a five-year term. 
and you know like you, you there's very few things that you would let a 90 for you you trust a 90 for you to, to to do you know i don't know if it was you or or or, or some of my friends were saying kuti ini nandisanda mbofudza mombe but people wa kambofudza mombe wakasiya sikuru ne mombe unodzoka uchiruwa waka so so not even being you know opposition it's not even an opposition thing it's any you know logical person or reasoning person can see could you don't you can't trust a 94 year old with cows let alone running the country and now that's who we must entrust our future to um and for zanopi if you're thinking that's who we must entrust the future of our party to and for zimbabweans and citizens as a whole that's who we we we're going to be stuck with if something drastic doesn't happen in the opposition for for me it's within zanopi if itself is that there doesn't seem to be this galvanizing towards um rebranding the party in the sense that you have i'm not sure the statistics but you have a large percentage of your population that is under the age of 35 or the under the age of 40 but you have a very uh old top heavy structure structure you know and there's nothing wrong with having senior party members it's it's very important but i feel that there's a gap between and i say this because i am zanu pf affiliated is that this report <laughs> <laughs> <We bought> renovated <laughs> there's a gap between the old and the young within the party and it unfortunately it seems that because of the factionalism that is taking place the young people that are coming in are you have to pick a side or you're aligned to someone it's not people coming in on a basis of a meritocracy which you know you said that it started 36 years ago about zanu being you know about power i think there's also different dynamics there uh that have to be taken into consideration at the time i don't think that was their sole you know um But purpose or ideology or whatever or belief however there are a number of things that have happened over the years it has been 36 years and the party itself has changed in terms of some of the key individuals over the years who I have think, been there i think on that point guys that a lot of us uh, you know at least for me i've only just started looking um you know as as people are ramping up towards um you know bob's 93rd birthday i've been looking at some of these old speeches on 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 youtube and some of these old speeches He's been quite consistent in his desire for a one party state. You no, know, he ha- he's he, been quite he, consistent for in his desire for for to rule until, you know, the cows come home. So it's maybe us as a people who ignored those warning signs when things were all gravy and things were all bore. But if we're going to say that Mugabe has had an indelible imprint on ZANU-PF ideology and on the party since he came to power as a prime minister in 1980, um and then did everything in his power including them the first amendment the constitution executive presidency to to bring power around himself 
So these are things we can't ignore because, you know, even the concept of an executive president over the prime minister system was something that was, you know, sold as being, you know, moving away from the Lancaster House Agreement. But really, it had the net effect of bringing power to so, one center or bringing power to himself. I, and this I, is years and years ago before the MDC was even, you know, a fetus. I hear you on that point. But what I was, what I'm trying to say is that ZANU-PF itself as an institution, as an organization... Um, has now gone towards this one center of power ideology. I don't think it was, perhaps for President Mugabe, yes, that was his... He's, Could he had, he's molded the he's, party in his he's, own image he's, now. He's, he's been wanting a one-party state and that sort of thing. But I don't think it's as, as a party itself and as members of the party and other you know, um, individuals that were inside it. And what it stood for initially, that's what it wanted. How it has now become is a transformation over the years. And there's a lot of events and things that happened that you can check the trajectory of how this yeah. actually came about. But that, yeah, that for me is the state of ZANPF in the sense that I really hope that they sort out these issues because it's not productive. It doesn't help anyone. And it's unfortunate. I don't know. It's, it's sad that the state of all political parties then follows this similar pattern. You know that if, if 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 there was a sensible opposition party in this country, they would be taking advantage of this. Exactly that, I'd be taking advantage of. But they're not. The they're they're they're, you know the 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 state of the opposition. I mean, we spoke about um, uh, Zim people first, Zimbabwe people's first, and um, uh, Dr. Maduro and uh, the expulsion of those members. It seems at the moment that she's going to come on top. Um, but it's a fire victory. I mean, what kind of victory is it when you lose, um, you know, most of your party essentially or the names that you're known um, for the party? And, um, you know, it's a mess there. They're, they're, these misogynistic claims are going around, um, you know, uh, um, Kudawashi Baskiti said some pretty vile things um, in, 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 in his interview with the Herald, I think, Um about you know power not being transmitted through the surname or sexually essentially that they were backing uh, General Solomon Mujure not so much uh, Dr. Joyce uh, so much vitriol and anger within that party which is spewing across into the opposition space and these are the people that are meant to be the solution or the other option um, for 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 the country for Zimbabwe to 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 um, for Zimbabweans to vote for. And then you have, you know, uh, the other side of the opposition, Morgan Changlai and his party deciding, which, no, um, they're quite, I don't know, they seem elated. Um, you know, this is just back behind closed doors. Um, you know, I think Obud Gutu tweeted something, you know, very snide about the, the how the house sit, um, Mujuru's house was burning down. But you sort of wonder, Guti, if you're a sheep, and you're being hunted by a lion. In this case, instance, Zanopiev is being the lion. And you're chosen as the sheep. I don't know why you would rejoice. So in the opposition, we have to understand, um, the opposition has to really understand that we're under siege. And whatever else we see happening in infections and in Zanopiev, they are, will, when the time comes, will be very focused on destroying the opposition and winning that election. I always so, say that uh, President Mugabe... The, the 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 second most protected man in this country is likely Morgan Sangirai because President Mugabe knows that yeah. come hell or high water, 
he will beat him in an election. So how can you celebrate? You know, I think um I don't know what is it Maneru or one of these uh, one of these articles comes out and they said the only real opposition. I think it was even Jonathan Moyo tweeted it. Um Professor Moyo tweeted that you know there's there's lots of opposition in Zimbabwe but there's only one opposition party. Yeah. And you hear people from the MDC celebrating as if they've been you know, anointed. But if you're a sheep, how do you celebrate being chosen <laughs> by a lion? Huh? No, but like so <laughs> it seems ridiculous that you I, know you you now seek ascendancy because you've been told you've got the fattest ass and we can eat you first. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, for me, the opposition. I, I don't know. It's it's a very personal uh, thing because the mistakes are so basic, so rudimentary that um, as to be laughable, and and that's exactly what uh, Zano PF is because. You know, it's almost a reflection of of their confidence in their ascendancy and their ability to win the next election. That they don't even care that you know you have people saying that the only real opposition in in this country right now is between Lacoste and G40. You know, the only competition for the next election is going to be in the Zanu PF primaries. I, you know, it's funny that you say that. Um, I was Kumusha over the weekend uh, in Buhera, and I was having conversations with some of the you know, people who live there uh, asking about, you know, their MP and that sort of thing. And really, it seems that the real tussle or fight is going to be within the primaries, ZANU-PF primaries. Who's actually going to be the candidate for ZANU-PF? Otherwise, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion on our side that ZANU will win at this stage. And it's a poor reflection on, on the opposition because... They really are not, they, they, again, there, there seems to be no clarity. Are we standing in elections? Are we not standing in elections? Uh, no reforms, no elections was what they've said, but they all seem to be pretty gearing keen. Up for, for on, yeah, gearing up for, this, for elections, pretty keen on this coalition, but it's a coalition that is going to be very much a marriage of convenience for some, and uh, I'm not getting into this unless you're coming in on my terms for others. Um, yeah. I know right now as it stands, though, the only individual who has any leverage is Tsvangirai. Of course. But right? and, and there's no way anyone else coming into this um, coalition can dictate terms to him, I don't think. Because I, when, you look at, when you look at Maimujuru, for example, she's just had... There's now factions within ZIMPF um, or a split. She's thrown people out. She's... Um, she she they lost Bikita West, which is a rural constituency. Which even but the margin by which they lost was also quite large. I think it was like thirteen thousand votes, and they got like two thousand. So it was almost eleven thousand. Yeah, it was they about lost by a margin of eleven thousand. Eleven thousand votes, which is quite significant. So you can't even go to a coalition conversation and say, look, Kuma rural areas. Maybe okay, fair enough. It was one constituency, but that huge gap. It's difficult to go and convince Twangirai because it will come down to an issue of what you know, what numbers do you have, how many people do you have supporting you. I know she's going on uh, tours, tours around. Yeah, she's no, having she's, rallies. But the thing is, her tours aren't for building um, the coalition. Her tours are to take her factional fights to the people, so so that she's she going, comes out on she, top. Yeah, she's going to the one and saying, "Da fire one hour." 
uh, and I'm the queen bee because they said all these things. She doesn't so you, like that term queen bee, actually. Yeah, well, she, yeah of course. <laughs> and I look, <laughs> I don't know why people call the queen bee. But no, that's what she's going. That's If you see her comments about her being, uh, saying that she was, they said that they wanted to sleep with her or, or these really nasty, vile things, that was said at a rally because she's taking what? The factional fights and the people being fired um, to the people, which is a very Tsangre-esque move. And it's smart because once you've got the people, you've got the party. No, I hear you. But, but um, it's, it's, in terms you know, of, of, well, that's what I was saying earlier, Kuti, you know, you're right that Tsangre can basically dictate the terms of the coalition at this stage. But that's why it's a failure of leadership because he shouldn't be seeking to do that because he needs everyone else um, as much as, you know, essentially they need them because there's no chance at all that he's going to what? That he's going to win this election by himself. Um, and that's my honest appraisal. And I don't think that anyone um, anyone else, you know, thinks any different, differently from, from that. Because, you know, so he needs to lead. Um, and being a part of a leader is accepting that you need other people. I think it's going to be quite interesting to see what happens going forward. And what happens with all the smaller uh, opposition parties and all the... Um, you know, um, all their positions. Because right now, we I think we have, what was it, 40, 50-odd opposition parties. The the main ones, where is um, Simba Makoni? Where is Welshman Nube? Where is Tendai Biti? Where is um, AC Lumumba? He started a party. <laughs> AC Lumumba is not a valid opposition figure <laughs> in this country or in South Africa. <laughs> okay, um, no, but where, where are these guys and what is their position? Or what are they saying or no, moving towards I when think, it comes I to 2018? From, from some of these parties, I think if you look at what's happening with code, um, it's quite interesting. I think it sort of seems that some of the smaller... Um, opposition parties have decided um, that they're going to join. So the signing of code, you've got Walshman has signed all at Transform Zimbabwe, all these other ones that you know, uh, you know, essentially have been called briefest parties or no name parties or whatever. But a lot of them have have joined together. So at the end of the day, it really becomes that if um, if they can get um, maybe uh, Zim people first in whatever happens uh, at the end of their, their factional fights and whoever comes out on top after their Congress to join with them before approaching Tsangrae, then it becomes a much more powerful and a much more solid foundation. So it's almost like, you know, these little, the, the smaller parties um, by numbers or or by by name need to join up before what? Before they get uh, to... <laughs> before they get uh, to, um, to, 20. to... To 2018. Um, we're streaming live, so <laughs> I'm just reading some of the comments here. Uh, and yeah, uh, Comrade Mark is saying uh, Morgan can dictate the terms because of Majuru splitting the party. We're much weaker. We're much weaker now. I don't know. I agree. Um, everyone's much weaker because of the splitting of ZMPF. But I think at the end of the day, she should probably maybe start by trying to come together with the other other parties and not so much um, with uh, with Morgan Changre before. Um, she's solid in her own party and uh, the other guys have come together. So it all hinges on Tsangirai. Essentially, it will be Mugabe versus Tsangirai come 2018. Yeah, it will be Mugabe versus Tsangirai and anyone who thinks differently is uh, is fooling themselves. And anyone, I mean, is essentially he's going to try and bully his way through, but I think he'll see sense. 
um, unless the the, the anti-coalition uh, forces in his party prevail, because that's another factional fight that's happening at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of these guys know that whatever happens, MDC will get at least you know twenty or thirty percent of the vote, which means you're guaranteed a Senate seat, you're guaranteed proportional representation, you're guaranteed a member of Parliament seat, you're guaranteed the cars, the perks that come with being an MP and being the official opposition of the country. I mean, in 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 urban areas, it's guaranteed Zanu PF is highly unlikely to win any of the seats um so and most of them are likely to go to mdct i suppose in harare and ah, i don't know about that you don't think so <laughs> i think that but also a lot of if you if you realize kakudi harare lost almost six mps when they went to pdp so and then Matabili land as well. Yeah, Matabili land. That's and that's MDC MDC. That's MDC MDC. But the people that were left in the MDC Changrai left with PDP. So Anasipepangomo, a lot of these seats were. So they they have work to do. And what's going to happen is if we're not careful, some of these more peri-urban um, constituencies or or difficult to win constituencies will be taken by Zanu. Um, because I, I find it difficult that you're going to be able to take something like Mbari off Zanu PF come 2018 with the way things are right now. Um, take 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 a city psychology at Chippewa Rise. And every alley is giving is it, he's giving Patson, people. Is it, isn't Patson going for that seat? Yeah, Patson says you will run, but Patson, do you got the rice? Because you need to drop the rice, guy. <laughs> you have to drop the rice. But again, that that goes to the state of politics in this guy. It it really is politics of the belly. Yeah, in, in in most constituencies, you'll find, and one thing I guarantee that ZANPF is banking on is that there will be a uh, bumper harvest, for lack of a, a better term, uh, due to command. They're going to harvest grain. Yeah, and and they're going and, to give and, people and, and once and once people's bellies are filled, you know, they will vote in line in this in in, a, in accordance. In some places, it's not going to be. Uh, and I unanimous. think hunger actually makes people vote for Zanopiev. Hunger? When, yeah. When people are hungry, the, the, the options of where to get food are very rare. But in Indakakua, Kumbakwanguka, because command, I mean, the, the effect of command is essentially that even the small-time farmers are also going to have, um, and also because of the rain this year. Saga, you know, when, when everyone has got food, they have actually more time and more choice to make political decisions. There was a lot of anger in, in 2008, my friend. And but there was Boram Sangoga in 2008. That's true. Um, yeah, there was Boram Sango in 2008. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's the state of politics. Um, we're going to try and get into the state of the economy. Yeah, um, state of the economy. If my notes serve me right. No, um, it, you're, you're quite right. State of the economy is also quite an interesting one. Um yeah, bond I notes is the biggest issue. Bond notes, bond notes, bond notes. Are they uh, holding their value? People, um, have, people, people. You know, there was the whole we don't want them. Then the two dollar bond notes came, and they were, you know, circulating. In the beginning, there were questions about them, but now the interesting thing that seems to be happening is the U.S. dollar has become quite scarce. Yep, um, as predicted. I haven't seen a hundred dollar bill in a long time. I haven't seen fifty dollar bill in a long time. Um, 20s, yeah, 10s, sure, fives. Now that the five bond is here, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, I haven't seen the fives in a bit. Dollar bills are also quite rare now, quite rare as well. Yeah, I've been getting lots of bond notes to my much my, my chargon, and I've been spending them quite quickly because in my head, I still don't <laughs> think they're money. <laughs> 
Um, well, you buy stuff with them, girl. Yeah, alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, bond notes have held their retail value. Let's say that um, they definitely have held their retail value for small transactions. Um, that being said, from friends in industry have been seeing their costs go up, which is even now you can see inflationary pressures even in the shops now you know you buy groceries i know chris you buy groceries for yourself you see it's getting more expensive and that's because of the the lengths that retailers have to go to get hard currency um i mean i'll say this one of my one of my colleagues uh i think his him and his wife run a tuck shop and he was telling me that they went with bond notes and some of the money in US dollars to where they get their groceries and uh, where they get their stock. So wholesale. Yeah, where they get their stock. And most of the money they had was in bond notes. And the uh, suppliers said, nope, um, you can give us half bond notes, half US dollars. Yeah. So they had to get less stock than they wanted. And, you know, he was saying that now it means that I have to take these bond notes and buy US dollars from somewhere which means they're going to translate their cost onto people and you see um you know we can say retail value is held up but essentially there's an exchange rate because you're getting at fuel stations if you're paying in cash um particularly us dollars you're paying 20 percent less at the pump than if you're using your debit card or if you're you know using uh, you know even bond notes so you see equity there's already a parallel market that's already happening right now and the thing like sheep we've completely accepted this without realizing how difficult it's going to be to come back from this position but it's uh, the return of the us dollar of the zim dollar we are not coming back from this position that's that's what people that's what we were saying that's what i was crying about <laughs> in our last podcast if you listen to our board note podcast i said as much that they're bringing back the zimbabwean dollar and i was the boy that cried zim bond uh, berachek um and <laughs> It's, it's 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 a fact um they want to bring back the zimbabwean dollar um there's been talk of we need our own currency so sovereignty sovereign wealth all these things uh, these are terms that are being bandied about so it's a gradual process but you know much like <laughs> aside from that let me just um uh, say or rather um we've been operating with the us dollar and it has not been easy on our economy in the sense that it's just expensive to aside from the cost of doing business it's also just an expensive currency in within the region uh it's just cheaper to get you know things from down south or zambia or wherever it is so you have that issue of the us dollar is, is a it's an expensive currency to operate with in our environment yeah so th- that is one of the angles in why they are bringing back the zim dollar i'm not saying it's right let me just put that disclaimer out is that you know they are bringing it back because it's expensive to operate with the us dollar and right now it is one to one with the us dollar but we all know that that is a situation that they're is going, not going to, to last they're going it's, to change it either, either they're going to say well the us dollar is, is not stable there something then say let's have one to one with the rand the pula or some something else even the renminbi or something like that but wouldn't it devalue be, so, the bond notes to the us dollar that's the next step yeah no they they're likely to devalue the bond note would it be a bad thing to peg it at the rand though 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not an economist either. But we should probably get one on the show to answer that question. Yeah, we should. My my without answering the question directly, you know, you can angle regionally, especially when Gabi was head of was chair of SAGDAC, angle regionally for for joining the Rand Monetary Union and using the Rand, but as the opposed is, to but, having to force an unpalatable currency or pseudo-currency, or it's now a currency down our throats, like the bond note, in such a nefarious and, uh, you know, you know, clandestine way. But the thing is, we do use the RAND. So the RAND, is, the RAND is one of the currencies in the monetary basket that we have. Right? So then we should use so, the RAND completely. So we should have an agreement with the South no, Reserve Bank of South Africa that the RAND becomes our sole currency. Hold up. Aside from it being our sole currency, which a lot of people... which. You a know, lot of a lot smart of economists have, have people for, smarter than but, me. But but what I want to know is what's actually stopping people from using the rand right now? The US dollar is stronger. It holds its value more than the rand. That's why people use the use the the US dollar. So I, because the US dollar has been a stronger currency and okay. it holds its value more. You know, every time Jacob Zuma sneezes or puts his penis in something, the rand falls. So, so so that's why people want to use I mean you have to give it to the people, in my understanding, in Matabilian that do use the RAND, and they seem to be going on quite well with almost a rejection of the bond note because the RAND is so prevalent there, but that's because of their close links to um, South culturally and, and, and distance to South Africa. So, But this is my thing, is that it's one of the currencies in the basket, right? And you have business people and, you know, saying, let us use the RAND. What are the limitations or what is stopping people from actually using the rand, use I, I I hear your point on saying that it's you know uh, the U.S. dollar is a stronger currency. Is that then not one of the reasons? Would it then not be one of the reasons why the government doesn't want you, to join the rand monetary union? No, the I'm thing just is, asking. We we have an un, I, I, like I don't have the answers. An, mm. The answers I don't got the answers. Way <laughs> um, we have an unhealthy appetite for U.S. dollars mm-hmm. based on how much we're producing or how little we're producing, more rather. So it was not going to be sustainable because countries that are U.S.-backed, a lot of them are seeing fire at the moment. A lot of them are having problems with it. I'm not sure if it's Venezuela. There's a South American country as well that has, has been struggling with, with, um, with U.S. dollars um, because of how strong it is globally and how much in demand it is. So U.S. dollars will always be siphoned out of your economy. Introducing the bond note is not the answer. And I've said this before. The answer is increasing productive capacity of the country by giving things like tax incentives, here, here. by giving things like lowering prices. Cost so you can't... Doing business. And then, you you know, that goes on to our next point where you are complaining about, you know, currency shortages, about things like this, cash is short, and then your your, your wise finance minister decides to increase, um, you know, VAT or to add VAT for the first time on things like meat and fish and eggs. That wasn't you, the finance minister. Though, it was Shinamasa. No, wasn't that from the... From Bima? Was it from Bima? I believe um, so. Okay. I'll, 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 but I'll, I'll check, how, but I believe it was. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's they sit in the same cabinet. Yeah, that's true. It's from but the same cabinet. But I was pretty government. sure. I was under the implement. In, in, I, I was under the inf, under belief that it was uh, Chinamasa. But mm. yeah, I'll check it up. But if it's Bima, how do you incre- how do you put VAT on Nyama, guys? On beef? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a cash shortage. You, you, have to, you have to understand that these guys have no sympathy for... But they the, reversed it. They shelved it. <laughs> they paused is, it while it's under review. Which is good enough for me. 
Yeah. For now, I suppose. But, but, but like Magaisa said, the government creates problems and then they solve them and then they act like they're, you know, they're heroes and they're out to, to do better for for the people. I think it's, it's yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues that need to be fixed um, with regards to the economy. That VAT one definitely is, is stressful. And it comes back to policy inconsistency. In terms of the state of our economy, I don't think will improve unless there's policy, incon- uh, there's policy consistency. The Chinamasa and Joao were caught up in a tiff last year over indigenization of banks. <laughs> there's now this policy inconsistency on VAT. There's the Potras issue where you know data prices go up and then two days later they come down. So there's a lot of inconsistency that needs to be sorted out. And I think that's one of the major things that's holding back our, you know, our, our, the state of our economy is that you're just not sure whether what is said today is going to be in place, Mangwana. <laughs> right, exactly that. And I think that's, you know, that's a lot of, um, that's, that's, that's a lot of the things that's stressing a lot of people. Uh, I, asked a, I asked a question um, to people on my Twitter and Facebook, you know, people living outside of Zimbabwe, is that what would it take? Are you interested in coming back to Zim permanently? And what sort of conditions, what would it take? What sort of environment would you like to be back? And a lot of the comments have been employment with a guaranteed income. I want a job. I want to know that money comes at the end of the month. Um, some people have said a f- level and free market playing field across the board where my entrepreneurial and corporate skills can be harnessed to both my benefit and the economies. So it, it comes down to I want a better economy. I think that's the biggest concern for most people. And I think politics, often enough, you can have a dynasty. You can have a a monarch, if you will. But if the economy Economy is is solid, solid, then people people won't mind. People generally won't mind. So I think that's, that's what it is, is what is going on in the economy. The politics, unfortunately, sits right in the front but it needs it's, to take a back seat. It needs to take a back seat, but you know, they 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 have shrunk the economy to such a to such a small scale that every single dollar and cent has to go to feeding the beast, um, to feeding this 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 cannibalistic uh, regime. I've been practicing my my Nehru adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, like at the end of the day, it's it's so narrow the interest it feeds, and our economy is so small, has has shrunk, and there's so little growth that there's no room for 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 the political elites to eat, and for business to grow and also succeed. So before you know, corruption in a lot of places, and I'm sure in America, and corruption is in Nigeria. There's corruption everywhere. Corruption in South Africa is massive. But the economy is, is 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 so large that you know they can they they can take a few ticks that suck on the blood. There's some rent seeking activity. Zim, we've gotten to a point where you know there's just no longer you can no longer feed ZANU-PF and feed Zimbabweans at at the same time. But you know what? I don't think uh, on the issue of corruption, I completely agree. But I think there was a point when it was possible. Yeah. I mean, there were businesses growing in the yeah. 90s. There was a lot happening 
at that time that allowed for the economy to grow and the politics to continue in its own trajectory. We're also not the first state to have a political uh, a politics at the front of the economy. No, we're not. There's, you know, you can cite many examples. Um, I suppose China being one of them. Uh, yes, I agree. They are a very bi- they have a billion plus people, people there, so. and you know they're a big economy, but they have structures and and a format in place that allows for the CCP to remain in control of the state but, and have you know its economic interests happening as well elsewhere. But the second that the CCP feels it's losing power, the second that the CCP has to take decisions for power retention solely, which is what happened with this credible challenge of the MDC in the late 90s and early 2000s, and you know the farm invasions were all a thing as a direct result of a challenge on ZANU-PF's supremacy and power. So the second that they felt that they can no longer, they need to hold on to power, that's when the, what, the economy comes second. So the CCP right now, the Chinese Communist Party, is fine because there's no challenge from anywhere within the billion people that can unseat them from, from so they can just get on with the job of governing because they don't have to worry about the job of what? Keeping power. Whereas ZANU-PF has constantly, since, in my opinion, since perhaps 2002, since that failed, uh, you know, 2000, was it 2000, uh, 2000 that failed um, constitutional vote um, for the amendment of the constitution. Since then, they've been constantly in this power retention mode, which means resources must be challenged to the party, everything must go through the party and to the party, and, you know, nepotism increases, patronage increases, because now you what? You have to keep the party in power. So Whereas we- before then... They were okay because they didn't really have much of a credible challenge to their to their thing. And before you say it, <laughs> <laughs> the solution is not going back to a situation where Zanopiev is in power. <laughs> I really was just about to say as a joke. As a joke, can, can we just all take a back seat and be like, okay, guys. Well, Giza should just be It's okay. <laughs> just do what you do. No, but I, I, I hear that is we we need to, we need better. We need the people better. of Zimbabwe need better. We deserve and better overall. It's, it's I don't know how we are going to get to the better because as we said politically come 2018 it really is going to be um, you know Mugabe versus Changirai. I don't know I don't know if that's a better option. Some people have said any change is good change. And, you know, that's a valid point. Let's see what happens, you know, after whatever change happens. I think, yeah, change change is necessary because you you don't have uh, anyone, but Mugabe, right now, doesn't have the same respect within his own party. In fact, doesn't have the same respect within the opposition. Like, you can quote every single opposition leader at some point in their career, even in the opposition, they've said, no, Mugabe is a great man. No, he's very intelligent. All of them say that. So, you know, even if it's someone within ZANU cannot get away with the same level of, unless, of course, we go down the military path and we become totally militarized. But if someone is trying to run a civilian regime properly, they're going to have to make concessions. They're going to have to govern well or govern better at least because people will vote them out. It's going to be interesting certainly to see how the state of our nation 
Um, the economy of the nation. This is the state of the nation. Aside, I mean, order, order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and because these two things, politics and economy, are the soul, the heart and soul of what happens in Zimbabwe, it means that everything else, be it uh, football, be it music be it you know Valentine's Day was 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 affected by (laughs) politics you see everything is affected by these two things and these two things play on each other uh the politics affects the economy and the economy in turn also affects the politics so it's prudent for ZANU-PF I'd hope that they would see that should they fix these two things they'd likely stay in power uh, ad infinitum you know, because people don't care. I'll tell you this: people don't care. Yeah, I was, that's, I was, that's what I was about to say. Is that my dream is to live in a Zimbabwe where I don't need to know who the president is, to the point where, like, you have situation like Americans. Yeah, Donald Trump has come into power. A lot of Americans are just saying, "Okay, cool." May I'm still grafting. Like, I mean, ultimately, it's bad what's happening to everyone else. But I would like to be in a situation where I can. Just go to work and get my salary and live my life. You know, I I I was at the Castle Light Breakfast last year, and there was <laughs> no, but there was there were thousands of people there. Yeah, and it just dawned on me that you know all these people have come out here because they want to drink beer, eat meat, listen to music, chill with their friends or whatever it is. That's what they want to do. Yeah, there was thousands of people there at the Castle Light New Year's block party. That was the, the block party that was in Westgate, yeah. At Westgate, yeah. Again, there were thousands of people there that okay, they were celebrating the New Year, but they really just came out. Shout out to Delta, by the way. Delta's at been Castle Light. If you feel like sending us a six pack, <laughs> <laughs> Delta's been Delta's been doing a lot of good for the people of Zimbabwe. Yes. but there were. Thousands of people there that just wanted to do what it was, have a good time. If you look at some of the conversations people have on social media and and that sort of thing, people open WhatsApp groups to discuss Manchester United, to discuss Dynamos Football Club, and they don't discuss anything else in there. That's that all it's you're allowed space. to talk about in those groups is football. People have ideas of doing a whole bunch of other things some people just want to be on tv you know they just want to go out and become stars some people just want to be musicians pick up their guitar and sing but what you find a lot of or a lot of what's happening is you find all these people who want to do other things also comment on politics a lot yeah they, because it affects their lives on a is, daily basis. Guys, it affects the things that they want to everything, do. Everything, your dreams, even, you know, <laughs> like, and then eventually, eventually you get to the point where you're blaming, you're blaming uh, the politics. You're so right. Um, so and I, if Zanu wants to stay in power, you know, give them bread and circuses, guys. It's so simple how to stay in power, at least in my opinion. Bread and circuses. If people are fed, if there's jobs, the economy is good, give them dynamos. They will already have this escapism. Give them castle light and you won't have any political problems. It's certainly 
interesting to see what will happen in the coming 18 months. We'll definitely be talking a lot about it. We just wanted to do a bit of state of the podcast. Um, yeah. Um, state of, yeah, state of the podcast, the economy of politics and beyond. <laughs> um, I think we're running out of time or we've been going on for long enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening to the people that do listen. Um, not much happened this week. Uh, the only real thing I can actually think of is that um, Chris has put out uh, a bulletin looking for AC Lumumba. I have. So AC, <laughs> the last we heard of him, he claimed Lerato Shlongwane and um, she denied it. It was all in the H Metro. Uh, he's been very quiet since then. I am wondering what happened to him, what happened to his youth party. Normaliso also left him the same week that, you know, Lerato denied him. So I, I'm just generally interested to find out where is AC Lumumba. So if you're listening, AC, you know, get in touch. We'd love to have you on the show to, you know, talk about Viva, I suppose. And um, everything else that's going on. Yeah, and everything else that's going on. If anyone knows where he is, hey, give us a shout. Let us know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've been listening to Politics and Beyond on Capital 263. My name is Christopher Farai Charamba at Chris Charamba on all social media platforms. And I am Tawanda Henry Beatty at Henry Beatty on all social media platforms. And uh, cheers to the all six guys that uh, tuned into a little bit of live streaming there on my Instagram. <laughs> um, we'll try and do more of that. And uh, yeah, just try and interact more with you guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, free to say it. Free to do it. And now. And now. Capital 263.